Hi, this is Dan, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm excited to have a returning guest at this point. Um, yes. Today, I have with me... Well, why don't you tell them who you are? Uh, hello, everybody. Um, I'm John Bailey. Uh, I was here back uh, during the Christmas series, so I am excited to be uh, returning now to talk about one of the parables of Jesus. Yes, so John... Um, it was so much fun back at Christmas to sit and talk with you and um, hear your perspective on the wise men. Um, that was, I remember, you know, you talking about that and uh, worship and everything being worship. And so that was a cool perspective that you brought and you shared with us. And so, John, you've been a part of our um, Holy District community since it began here in Arizona uh-huh. yep. um, and kind of since it began in, uh, in Allentown, like you were meeting on Zoom with them and stuff. And so, yes, um, it's been really fun having you come along with us. Uh, since we last were together on the podcast in December, um, any, anything like, I was going to say anything you want to share, um, but there's probably lots, but I am curious, like, how have you watched the Holy District change since December to May? Yeah, I, I mean, the easy easy thing to say is we've obviously had some uh, new people uh, join uh, our weekly gathering. So that's been nice um, just to see it expanding a little bit, seeing some new perspectives come in, um, people with different backgrounds, different life experiences. Um, so that's uh, one thing that's been exciting. Uh, not that I didn't like the people that were already there, but it's always nice to see, uh, you know, new people joining um, and coming and joining us regularly. Uh, but also we, you know, had some of our first gatherings, you know, we're starting as the Holy District uh, here in Gilbert trying to, uh, or trying out different types of gatherings. We, you know, had a Cinco de Mayo party and then also had just kind of a community get together, uh, Sleepy Whale. There we so go. I think it's been exciting to just see us trying a few things, right? Yeah. So much time is spent preparing and that's good. Uh, but I think it's been nice to actually try to now build a little bit of community, a space where people can join us and get to know us and we can get to know them. So that's been very exciting. Yep. And I think we're watching, like, it's cool because we are watching a community develop. Yes. Like you're saying. So, Um, okay. So why don't you talk to us? uh, What parable did you, I'm excited because I actually don't know what parable you chose. So yes, I did mean adventure for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't warn you ahead of time. So hopefully I picked one that uh, fits into your expectations here. Um, (laughs) My expectations are very high or specific. Okay. That's what I figured. So if, uh, if you don't like this one, I'll see what I can do to pick another one real quick and uh, come up with my thoughts on the fly. But no, I chose the parable of the rich fool. Okay. Uh, which is in Luke 12, okay. uh, verses 13 to 21. Okay. Um, I think that this time, <laughs> and I say this time, I'm going to just give an overview of it. Okay. Um, rather than re- reading it verbatim. <laughs> Come uh, on, I don't, just read it. Okay, I'll try again. I Thank felt you. like I don't do the best when <laughs> I try to read it. You did great reading it. You did great. I will read it again. So here we go. Uh, Again, starting in verse 13, uh, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. 
Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it was that um, brought you to this, like drew you into this um, parable? Um, I tend to be drawn towards, I think, teachings or verses that have to do with money. Um, I'm sure a lot of people can say that, but I, I know that for me, uh, money is a big struggle just in the way that I view it, um, the way that it affects me, my attitude towards it, um, how it kind of is coupled with my, my own faith and my spirituality and my relationship with Jesus. So I do tend to gravitate towards these teachings because I know, again, many areas of my life need development, but I think money is always one that's kind of at the forefront. I could be challenging myself to think differently, trying to understand how is it that God intends for me to use this type of resource. Yeah. So it's interesting um, because a pattern that I've noticed is right now we have a, um, we seem to have a pattern of uh, like people focusing in on generosity in our community as we're talking about parables. Um, Brooke did Mm -hmm. the parable of, um, now I'm forgetting it. Oh, the The, inviting people into parties. McGregor did a parable of the vineyard workers mm-hmm. where everyone's getting paid the same amount. And then um, you're doing the parable of the rich fool. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think, like, what do you, what do you make of that pattern there? Um, well, I think obviously, you know, with the Holy district, what we've kind of laid out as our goal, um, both early on, and I'm sure we'll, we'll remain a goal uh, into the long term is we're trying to build community, right? I mean, that's, that's really what we're, we're trying to do, we're trying to lay the foundation right now, but ultimately get to a place of um, inviting people in and um, creating a place where people feel, you know, loved and that they can create relationships and whatnot. And I think part of that, part of living in community inherently is the idea of being generous. And it's not just about money, but it's being generous with lots of things, being generous with your time, um, other resources, whether it's housing or a skill, you know, there's living in community to me inherently means you're being generous. That's part of it. If you're not being generous with something, then I would, I would challenge you on whether you're actually being in community, to be honest. Yeah. And generous communities are um, attractive to people. Like yeah. you're saying, like ev- no one likes to be a part of a greedy community. No. And so no, I think that's, that's taking, I mean, that is harmful to people, right? I mean, it's like, I think that's actually happened to a lot of us before we've probably ended up in groups of people, maybe temporarily um, people that were even our friends, but you felt more drained by interactions with those people. Maybe you felt like things were being taken from you or demanded of you. And it wasn't a sense of a give and a take with, with those people. So yeah. I, I think it's more attractive to most people to come into a community where time and money and resources and skills and advice and love is freely given. Yeah. 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 So, um, so then let's talk about like the context of this parable, uh, like what's going on before it or after it, why does Jesus launch into the story? Is it in response to a question? Is it, I mean, we read it, so we know, but mm-hmm. go ahead and just talk to me about that. Yeah. So it's, uh, somewhat vague actually, at least what I, I, I took from it. Um, I don't typically <laughs> as bad as this may sound, uh, maybe I'm telling on myself a bit here, but I don't typically do <laughs> this much of a deep dive, um, into like maybe the historical context of some verses. So this was a good exercise, but it just seemed like Jesus was in the midst of a lot of traveling within places like Galilee and Jerusalem. And he had ended up um, in Jerusalem and was in a crowd, which was very common uh, mm-hmm. for Jesus, obviously, during his ministry. And it seems as best as I can tell that just out of nowhere, this man approaches him with a question or just yells it from the crowd. And that's where he asks for help with the dividing the inheritance or having his brother divide his inheritance with them. Yeah, which is like so interesting. Um, you in a conversation um, earlier, you were sharing about, uh, we don't know what's going on in that brother's life. Um, 
And that's just really interesting because what if like, we want to assume that the person who asked the question is the one being greedy, but it's like, what if, um, maybe you said this, I don't remember. Um, what if the guy who asked the question is asking for what's rightfully his? And it could be right. And I think that's one of the fascinating things about many of Jesus's teachings and some of his parables is they're told in such a way like this elegant and layered way that they can be interpreted in multiple ways. And I don't think that's a weakness of them. Like they're not firmly giving you one message or not. They have these layers to them where they can speak to different people, maybe at different in different situations. And that's exactly what I think is happening here because I think, you know, and we'll get further into the parable as the conversation goes on, but you can immediately look at the man that is approaching Jesus. And as you said, you can kind of take both sides with it. And you could say, maybe the inheritance is rightfully his, and he's asking for help to make something just and correct. On the other hand, maybe he's being greedy and selfish and his brother doesn't owe him a thing, or maybe the inheritance hasn't even been given yet. And maybe his father or whoever's giving the inheritance is still alive. And in that case, it's even a different scenario. So, which in that case, then we have the parable of the lost or the prodigal son, right. Where he's coming to his dad while his dad is still alive and saying, give me what, give me what I deserve. (laughs) Exactly. And then we all, you know, many of us obviously know that parable and what can be learned there. So yeah, there's just a lot of layers here and uh, can be interpreted differently. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I just, I mean, because like we were having the conversation of if his brother has been holding on to this inheritance for 10 years or his dad's been Mm -hmm. gone for 10, 15 years, who knows how long. I have a little bit more understanding why he's coming to Jesus and saying, oh, well, maybe my brother will listen to this guy. Yeah. And that's the the interesting part of it, right? Because, uh, I don't want to make a universal statement about all parables because that wouldn't be true. But I think sometimes in Jesus's teachings and parables, he gives us an example of somebody that's clearly in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And then he responds with a parable to maybe give an explanation as to why this person's wrong. Right. But I think in this case, it's very possible to, and maybe, you know, some listeners might disagree and that's fine. That's the the beauty of, of having these discussions. But I think it's possible to look at the person in this parable, not the subject of the parable itself, but the man that's approached Jesus. And he may, may very well be in the right. And he may be just fine and asking for help with Jesus, but maybe this is just leading Jesus into a train of thought that he wants to share with the crowd. Right. Um you know, because his follow-up is also interesting, right? And that's the, I guess, what grabs me about this parable is these first two verses, you know, the, the man asks for help. And then Jesus's response is to basically say, well, who made me judge over your situation? Like, almost like, why is that my concern? Mm-hmm. But then in the, in the immediate, like the verses following, he dives into a teaching or a yeah. lesson, which is so weird in a way, because he's like your situation is not my concern or I'm not judge over it, but here's a lesson. Very interesting to me. I don't really know what to make of it, but yeah, you know, he's just, I mean, he's using an an everyday instance to be able to teach something because it is like your, yeah, here's a lesson. What's funny too is, you know, it's not like these are like days later. It's all like these things are happening in the same day because it's like, meanwhile, like, He's interacting and criticizing the religious leaders in chapter 11. Then it says, meanwhile, so while that's going on, meanwhile, the crowd is building and milling and thousands are coming. And then he gets done with like whatever he's teaching there about hypocrisy or against hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And then he's watched and then it launches into then someone called from the crowd. So like, while this is happening, this guy is so desperate to get an answer. He's interrupting Jesus. Jesus then uses it and then goes, and like you just said, then turning to his disciples, it's like, boom, then boom, then boom. It's not, Yeah. You, sometimes we want to think, oh, these all didn't happen. And it's like, there's, there's good reason why the word then is there. Like it's mm-hmm. showcasing a point in time in an order of events. And it's like, oh, okay. There's purpose to what Jesus is doing here. And he's like, all right, well, I just use it. So I'm going to turn around and teach my disciples. 
about money and possessions, which is where he again reiterates the point of like, look at the flowers. They don't worry about it. Look at the birds. They don't like that. And it's like, they don't worry about where their food is coming from because doesn't God love them? And are you not more valuable than they? Mm -hmm. And it's like a reassurance because maybe we could come to that passage with some compassion that Jesus is having on his disciples where they, he knows like they've given up everything. They've given up their jobs and they're having to roam around without an income wondering, where am I going to get food? Where am I going to get clothes? Where am I going to get shelter? Yeah. He's like, don't worry about this. Like God take care. God takes care of the flowers and the birds. Mm -hmm. Won't he take care of you? And if we can approach it then with a little bit of compassion of like this guy who asked the question has been waiting for 10 years for his brother to give him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very possible. Like you were, we were talking earlier, maybe his brother is the rich fool and not the guy who asked the question. Like the one who wouldn't give him the inheritance as the rich fool has just said, Oh, I'm going to lay back. I've done enough work. That's that's also true. I hadn't even made that connection is that, you know, we talk about this story, you know, uh, it's a parable, or at least the second part of the passage is, is the parable. But it's possible that it's almost a direct representation of what's happening in reality. Yeah. It could be, you know, we don't know. That's the interesting thing is we often say the parables are more of stories to illustrate the point. But again, who who's to say that the actual parable itself about the so-called rich fool is actually a reflection of what's happening in reality. Yeah. You know, it very well could be, we don't, we don't know that for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's, I've never thought, it's just a really intriguing idea to me to think about this guy is not being greedy. He's asking for what he deserves from his brother and the brother who's not giving the inheritance is the greedy one. That's just really intriguing to me. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, it's not in, it's not like this is a situation that would be specific to this time period, you know, disputes over inheritance (laughs) is kind of a, is kind of a timeless thing. Right. And not everybody will ever deal with that situation. Um, But, you know, for the people that do, there's definitely disputes. And I think the, the parable itself will even get to that point of saying, you know, for the people that are in this situation, there is a danger with maybe coveting or having such a focus on inheritance that you think is made for you or belongs to you. There's a danger in that. And I think this parable and this entire passage can serve as a warning to that because, you know, depending on the situation, inheritances can be pretty large. They could be, especially nowadays, you know, the wealth and estates that people build up and then they end up leaving them to children or relatives or whatever, they can be very large. Yep. And with that comes a lot of expectation and emotions and feelings. And when things aren't distributed the right way, you know, people get hurt. And, and that doesn't mean, again, like you said, there's some possibly some compassion to be had for this man at the beginning of the passage, or maybe he has been wronged. But even in a situation where he may have been wronged, I think Jesus is still saying, hey, you might be placing yourself in a little bit of a bad situation here by worrying so much about this. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like treating that if he just gets his money, he just gets what he deserves. Mm -hmm. He's going to be okay. And that's exactly what he needs. Exactly. And it's like he just, you know, needs more. We talk about this often. Um, in church world, like growing up, it was just like, oh, well, more, when is more ever enough? Well, it's just a little bit more. Right. And it's like this guy is seeming to, excuse me, I have the hiccups. Um, this guy is seeming to take the same approach of like, oh, well, when will he have, you know, he wants to just be able to lay back and not work Mm -hmm. and take it easy. And so when will that be? Well, if he has just a little bit more, like if he just gets that inheritance, then he'll be okay and he shouldn't have a worry and he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it seems like Jesus is trying to teach a different point. I think so. I, I think that, you know, when we look at the body of the parable itself, um, you know, talking about this idea of 
maybe tearing down your existing barns, building larger ones with the expectation that you're going to accumulate more and into verse 19 or so uh, specifying that, you know, he's, it literally says, and I will say to my soul. So like his inner being kind of, he's saying, I will have ample goods laid up for many years. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's really speaking to like the core of who he is how he feels and the person he is, I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to be able to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, this is, there is not a verse that could be more applicable to modern day than this one. I mean, because is this not, especially in this country. So we're talking about the United States, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for other countries because I am not, you know, close enough to them, but, you know, to understand their culture and society. But for the United States, we're literally born and bred to be consumers. Mm. That That is the backbone of our country and our economy is this idea that we will spend money. You know, our country is full of entrepreneurs, which isn't a bad thing, but yeah. this idea that we will spend, advertising is everywhere, this idea that whatever you have, it's not good enough. You need the next thing. You need a better car. You need a better phone. Your house is in terrible condition. You need new doors. You need to repaint it. You know, your clothes are last season and you need to go replace your wardrobe. Like literally the backbone of living in this country is to always be getting more. You need more money so that you can buy more. So this verse to me, it just literally jumps out at me. And it's like, he's literally talking to us directly. Yeah. Like we, I mean, just think about it. Like, again, I don't want to make assumptions about everybody's financial situations. I know that can be very um, particular to everybody, but just think about it in this country. Like we talk about things like having savings accounts. We talk about having retirement there's you know? such a huge industry of retirement. It's that idea of like, you're going to get to a point where then you can sit back and say, eat, drink, and be merry. Mm-hmm. You've done yep. enough. 401ks, um, you know, investments in general, the stock market, you know, mutual funds, health savings accounts, you know, building up for this idea that, you know, you're going to need to spend a ton on your own health either yeah. now or later in life. Um, you know, and there's any other number of investments and uh, other opportunities. I was going to say cryptocurrency, but I don't want to send us into a, a spiral and do oh, what this what this um, podcast is is not about. <laughs> um, but you know, there's all these these opportunities out there. And but if you take a step back, all of those investments, what is really the point? Right? It's accumulating more for yourself yeah. and for the long term. And as you alluded to, this idea of that retirement, like it is a a foundational like principle or aspiration for people in the United States that there will come a time sooner or later where I can retire from working and I will have enough money stored up so that I can relax, eat, drink, and be merry. It's literally pulled straight out of the Bible and it speaks directly to what we do every day. And the odd thing about it is while it doesn't sound bad in a lot of ways, we're told that's responsible, even yeah. in the church. Like you want to talk about, there are plenty of, I'm not going to name drop any of them, but there's plenty of go. courses out there, you know, plenty of courses that are even pushed by the church specifically that talk about saving up certain amounts of money, um, building a legacy for yeah. your children and yeah. for future generations. And I think this verse attempts to challenge some of that and saying, are we sure that's the best thing? Sounds a little bit like a course, maybe um, that's similar to money college or money calm college. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just different words. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Maybe just swap in a few words and I think everybody can read between the lines. (laughs) (laughs) It it is interesting. Like we are promised an easy life in our Mm -hmm. culture And we're promised that if you just work hard, you'll be good here. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that is true. For others, they have a very opposite experience. 
that no matter how hard they work and are trying to get ahead, life is hard. Yes. And it And does... I think that's Go ahead. I think that's overlooked a little bit that you know we in this country I think it's the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps um you know expression and and feeling about everybody is that if you just try hard enough and you make good choices that things will just work out. You know as yeah. you said I'm kind of just repeating what you said but it ignores so many other variables that we don't even have time to talk about here. So many things about where you were born or the demographics, sure. you know, sure. it, it ignores all of that um, because yep. there are people that can work their hardest for so long. And unfortunately, you know, I'm generalizing, but the, the way that this country functions, uh, the United States I'm talking about specifically and a lot of the systems we have aren't necessarily fair. Yeah. And so there are some people that will really never have an opportunity yep. to, you know, tear down their barns and build larger ones. That's never going to be applicable to them. And that doesn't make them any lesser than the people that do. There's, you know, no, uh, they're equivalent. They're the yeah. same. Their value yeah. of, as people is exactly the same. And I even think in some ways this verse helps to put them on a level playing field because it's challenging the people that are storing up more. And it's saying, why are you doing that? Mm. Like, why are you just storing up more? And, you know, there's a lot of answers for that, but this verse, as a lot of the Bible and many of what Jesus, Jesus's teachings um, convey is that he comes at it really hard um, for people that have a lot, you know, that are rich or wealthy and it's not to say they're bad people, but I think there's a lot of danger in having a lot of money and resources. There's a lot of responsibility yeah. and there's a lot of temptation. Yeah. So I think he really comes. That's why I think he talks about money so much and why it speaks to me is like, yep. it's a difficult situation to navigate. It's not yeah. this cushy one that the rich fool seems to think where I'm just going to kick back for the rest of my life and be happy. That's not at all. I think what money and resources are supposed to do for us. I think that's, you're probably on the wrong track if that's where you're going. But again, just my beliefs, yeah. you know. Well, but it is true. Like um, to like keep building and worrying about yourself is to ignore the struggle of other people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean like part of, part of my struggle with our culture is we, we want, we don't want to, I hear statements that of people seeming to not want to take responsibility for their own misgivings and faults. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I'll say that and say at the same time, there is an entire system that is built on oppressing the poor. Yes, absolutely. So both are true. You Mm -hmm. can both be, you've made really bad decisions and you need to own those. And, and then there's an entire system built on oppressing you. And it's like, yes, when you look at the Old Testament, that is actually God's indictment of Israel. They built a system off of the poor oppressing or the rich oppressing the poor. And every, mm-hmm. I won't say every time because someone could easily prove me wrong. The majority of the time the Bible talks about wealth and money is, is not about the poor taking advantage of the rich. Right. Uh, like 95% of the time it is about, it is warnings to the rich to not take advantage of the poor or it is warning or it is rebukes or um, calls to repentance of the wealthy and the well-off or the privileged to not take advantage of the people beneath them, but lift them up. And we mm-hmm. have this still problem today, 2000, 3000, 5000, however long ago those things were written we're still yeah. dealing with that today. Like, yeah, I mean, and that's why I think that this verse, it's this parable, this entire section really jumped out at me is because it requires almost no historical context if you don't want it to. It literally, literally can just be plucked from the pages and you're like, oh, this is just talking about people in 2022. E- yeah, there's less work to get back to what how yeah. the first century audience would have heard it. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
So one of the questions I ask is, um, how does the parable end? But you've been talking about this the whole time. And the reason I ask that is most often when we are reading a parable of Jesus, his point comes at the ending of it. Mm-hmm. Um, his point, like the last few statements he makes is where the meaning of the parable is. So you've been saying this and talking about this with generosity and just is like greed, uh, storing up and we're in greed will only lead to ruin. Cause like the greediest mm-hmm. people are the most worrisome people. They're just yeah. filled with worry. And they're like, I need like how much more? Well, a little bit more. And there's never enough where Jesus yeah. is saying, nope, like to not be a rich fool is to say, Hey, I have enough. I can share mm-hmm. to spread that. Cause the, the call of the kingdom of Jesus's kingdom is like recognizing there is an abundance and we, we can share. We don't need to worry. We've got enough. Keep giving, keep being generous. And that's exactly what he dives into with his disciples after this is like, if God takes care of the lilies, he's going to take care of you. Right. So, and I think, you know, part of the end of this parable, it, it, it almost takes a morbid, turn so as much as i think jesus tries to offer some comfort sometimes the i actually found the end of this parable to be pretty striking um but again eternally relevant but just very striking because it's not as if he says calamity will overcome you and you'll lose your wealth or your barns will be destroyed or whatever he literally says your soul is required of you which you know i take to mean that he's gonna lose his life so he he really you know completely goes in a different direction and says at the end of verse 20 or like 20b or what have you says all these things you've prepared whose will they be and that's such an interesting question especially yeah. for people in 2022 because there's been definitely more of an understanding and a teaching and an educating of people of estate planning for example You know, developing a will and trust or what will you do with things after you die? And it's a good thing. I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and speak against that. I've done those things, but there are certain, (laughs) there are certain assumptions that come with it, right? That, that maybe aren't correct, like not to be too morbid, but I've done my best to plan what to do with the amount, the things that I have were I to die and it's under the assumption that I'm going to live, you know, the, the average age in this country is pretty high. You know, it's not the highest in the world, but you know, it's pretty high. And, um, I in the try 70s, to, I think, yeah, seventies yeah, or something. And, um, but I'm just assuming that I'm going to make it that long. I next week might be my last week on earth. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's morbid to say, but that's the reality. Right. Yeah. But we plan we store up money and resources and things with this assumption that we're going to be here a really long time. Mm-hmm. And that's not really correct. And it even gets to a larger point is I think our approach to life with saving up things. And again, I'm not here to say like all saving is bad. Putting money in your 401k no. is a sin. Like that's no. not my, that's not my point, but I'm saying when we kind of go all in, Mm-hmm. on building up this stuff, building up savings, storing up everything so that we can relax later in life. I think that's just all code for I'm building up my kingdom, like mm-hmm. my kingdom. Yeah. Like I'm solidifying my presence on earth. I'm going to have yeah. this great house that's going to live on through my family's generations. We're going to have generational wealth. You know, my kids are going to have better opportunities than I had. They're going to be able to go to schools that I couldn't go to. Yeah. They're going to have career opportunities that I never had. And this is the idea, right? These are phrases that a lot of people hear in their families. Yeah. And again, it's not all bad, but I think one of the questions you sent me as prep for this was like, who, what's the point of the story? Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's always the the question, right? It's like, what's the point? What's Jesus getting at here? And it's, well, he's talking about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's getting at the the motivation. Because I think, again, the it's not bad yeah. to build up money and resources. It's not inherently bad. But I think the question is, why? Yep. Why are you doing that? Greed will leave you unprepared um, for the kingdom, for life in the kingdom. 
Mm-hmm. Like the kingdom of Jesus is one of generosity and abundance. If mm-hmm. you are a greedy person, you have not practiced for what life in the kingdom looks like. Mm-hmm. That's this. I mean, you will look like a rich fool because it's like you've stored up all this stuff and you haven't figured out how to share it. And Jesus' yeah. kingdom is one of generosity, sharing and abundance and enough and contentment and like all of these things. Mm-hmm. And like you just said, it's this parable is about life in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Those who want to live according to the kingdom that is coming and is here because of Jesus' resurrection and his enthronement and his new creation, then we will live as people who are generous and not as people who are greedy because mm-hmm. we want to practice life like the kingdom is fully here. Mm-hmm. And I think when we do that, right, we're we're making a declaration that says, we know that what we have here on earth is temporary. And that's always one of Jesus's great challenges to us, right? As he continually reaffirms this idea that, you know, this is all temporary, you know, that your life is just a mist. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I think we don't take verses like that serious. And again, I'm generalizing, maybe I should just speak for myself, but I know that I don't take verses like that seriously enough because I think there's a lot of value because we know that Jesus loves us. We know that Mm -hmm. God loves us. And a lot of what he does, the story of the Bible is him reconciling, you know, this relationship between us and him. So we know that he loves us. That's the foundation in a lot of ways of our faith is this idea that God loves us. Right. Mm -hmm. So knowing with the, the message that he loves us, if in love, he tells us that our life is nothing but like a mist we should take that seriously for what it means. Yeah. And it's like, it's because it is, there's, it's very temporary compared yeah. to the eternal. And if we're spending so much time building up these material kingdoms on earth, whether it's, you know, in this, the case of this first, you know, barns and building larger barns for his grains and goods, or for us, it might be bank accounts, investment accounts, brokerage accounts, whatever. Um, right if we're just sitting here focusing on building that up, it literally can all just disappear one day. Yeah. You know, we might be gone. And then again, the, at the end of the verse where it talks about again, verse 20 B, whose will they be? You know, these things have you, you have prepared. I think that's a great question. Like we always kind of make this joke sometimes again, kind of a morbid joke, but it's like, you try to do all this stuff to prepare um, people for when you die, whether it's, you know, what kind of funeral, what you want your funeral to look like or what you want them to do with your resources or house or money or different possessions. But it's like, why do you care? You're not going to be here. I mean, it's morbid, but we often say that, right? It's like, oh, I I hope A, B, and C happen when I'm gone. But let's be honest, I'm not going to be here, so I don't really care. And I think there's a lot of truth in that is we, we save up all these things or store up all these things. And the reality is when we die, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if people are going to do what we ask or if they're going to be able to, or if our overcomplicated legal system is even going to allow it to happen the right way. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It should almost be comfort to us that life is like a mist. Mm-hmm. So that like for people who have a lot, it's like, okay, like it's not going to come with me it can all disappear. And for people who are uh, like, who struggle, who life is hard, they don't have the same wealth as others, that it's like, that should be a comfort too, in a weird way that it's like, okay, like, it's just a mist. It'll come and go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it it can, in a way, take away the serious. I mean, not to say that life isn't serious, but we, I think we sometimes put so much weight in our own personal life And our life's very temporary and God gives us instructions that are, are meant to help build at least right now, what's more of like an invisible kingdom that will come, you know, there, there are tangible expressions of his kingdom on earth, but I mean the, the full realization of God's kingdom, we can't really see yet. And yet most of the instructions we're given are to build that. Yep. And yet we spend a lot of our time building a more tangible kingdom, but one that's really not going to last very long. Like it's going to crumble pretty quickly. Yep. So, yeah. So let's get into applying it. How 
there are two ways you can do this um, or two questions and you can, I'm going to ask and you can pick which one you want to answer. How okay. are you learning to be more generous um, or how are you going to be more generous? The other question is because um, after this, Jesus launches into the lilies and he says in there, don't so store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, what are the treasures in heaven that you are storing up? If like you believe, like I do, that um, heaven isn't our final destination, the heaven mm -hmm. is life after life after death. Mm -hmm. And the kingdom, the new creation that Jesus is doing will be with the new heaven and the new earth will be our final destination. Um, what are the treasures that you're storing up in that new creation? So pick which question you want to answer there. Okay. Um, the second one seemed a lot longer. I thought I, thought I was going to go with the first one and then you read off. Um, can you, what was the first one? The first one was, um, how are you going to be more generous this week? And the second one is, hey, what treasures are you storing up in heaven? Because you said store up treasures okay. in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy. I yeah, was just I went on longer trying to explain like in my understanding of the Got way it. things come to be, heaven is here and it, we will see it here. It's not just going to be destroyed in this okay. like bodiless, you know, spirit state. It's like very physical and earthy. Yeah, I, I'll go with the second one. And I, I think the way that, you know, we can be storing up um, those types of treasures, you know, in, in the kingdom of God or more, you know, eternal, heavenly um, treasures. The way that I view it, like if we look at this passage, um, again, there's nothing inherently bad. I think that's probably the most interesting thing here is what the rich man is doing, storing up crops is not in its nature bad. Mm -hmm. I would even argue in some cases he's being, again, I, you know, hopefully you don't get like angry emails from people that are listening, <laughs> but I would even argue in some cases that might be the example of someone being a good steward. They're taking care of what they've harvested from their fields. And maybe it's just more than they expected. So it's not inherently good or bad, but I think by the time you get to the end of this verse, you realize maybe where he's gone wrong is he's just using it for himself. Mm -hmm. So I think let's go the other direction then. What can you do with, things that you've stored up, whether it be money, resources, housing, cars, you know, food, anything. And for me, what that ultimately, ultimately means is like maybe two things immediately come to mind. First of all, it's experiences with people. Like how do we build relationships? We experience things with people, shared experiences it can be things for fun. Um, it can be challenging things. It can be going through, um, something sad. It can be going through a trauma together, but it's, it's shared experiences. It can be good things going, going on a trip or a vacation. Um, it can be doing something in the community, but a lot of those things require some sort of investment of time or money or things, resources that we have. I think that's a great thing to do. And some of those things require a lot, right? So there are cases in life where I think it's very much a good idea to be saving up but again, without vision or purpose to it, sometimes I think we're falling victim to what the, what the guy in here has done, the rich fool, which is he's just, you know, saving up for no purpose. And so I said two things. So one would be shared experiences, but two can just be outright generosity. You know, we have so much information at our fingertips these days, whether it's books or the internet or really anything, you know, we have information more than we've ever had before. And we can get it faster than we've ever gotten. You can go out there and find what needs are out there. What organizations need something, what people need something. Um, and obviously I know charity is a complicated discussion. You know, I'm not advocating people just go out here and throw money at every problem that's out there. But what I'm saying is you have, we have time and information and resources to be able to go find something to involve yourself in and resources can help you when you involve yourself. You can get to know people and you can bring money to help with something. You can bring resources, you can bring your time. And 
that again, and sometimes more money, more resources is good. So it makes sense to build up a stockpile for a purpose, but then to use it, you know, don't let it again, the, the goal of life, this is not, it's not a game where it's like the, you know, whoever gets the most things by the time they die, they win the game. You know, that's yeah. not the game we're playing, you know, yeah. probably nothing's going to happen with the stuff they had. It's just going to be thrown in the trash or yeah. people are going to steal it or whatever. So yeah. I think kind of the lesson is like, you want to build up the kingdom of God. It's like, what can you do right now? What can you do in this moment? Yep. You yep. know? Yeah, no, that's really, um, that's really good. And then, you know, how you were talking about, like, it is both money um, and experiences that we can be generous with. And generosity doesn't have to just look like giving to your church or to your nonprofit. Um, no, nope. Those are good things as, your, yeah. you know, your wife runs a nonprofit profit, and the Holy District is mm-hmm. a nonprofit. Um, it's like, hey, like, yes, continue to do that stuff. Um, but I love where you call it like showing up with a meal. Um, showing up in people's lives. Like the experiences aren't just always fun vacation. We're sitting by a beach. It's like, Hey, um, you know, you just got home from the hospital um, and you show up with food so they don't have to worry about preparing it. Like those are the things it's like, we can be generous in that way too. Mm -hmm. And what if, what if uh, Christians were known as some, as the most generous people, wouldn't Mm -hmm. that be so attractive? Like who wouldn't want to be a part of that type of community? And what if yeah, and, yeah. the Holy District was known as the most generous community to be a part of through mm-hmm. our time, through our experiences, through our, uh, like through our resources and through food and just like through our words and our kind and like that's inherently attractive to people. Mm-hmm. I that's mean, good. what if we were known as, as a people where we're not so protective, protective of our resources? Mm-hmm more of like, these were given to me. And we often think of money, right? There's plenty of verses in the Bible that talk about, you know, uh, communal living or sharing of resources amongst people that were following Jesus, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's a complicated topic, right? You know, some people might challenge how that's practical nowadays, but even so, what if it was this idea that even just on a personal level, we started to say these, even my time isn't my own. Like, what if I allocated time every week to just be available to others? And maybe some weeks you don't use it, you know, and that's okay. It's not like it's, it's wasted. You know, we're, we talked a little bit about this today when we met, right? Like this idea of being busy, this badge of honor that we all walk around saying, man, I'm just so busy. Life's so crazy. I'm just having to run to and fro doing this and that, probably spending money, doing a bunch of these things. And you're not available. What if, we change that. And I'm not suggesting this is easy. So don't please, like people, please don't mishear me. It's very hard. But what if even with something like time, you made it more of like a community thing, Mm -hmm. like you, you allocated more of your life simply to be available Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. other people. And then, as you said, there are simple things you can do, you know, where my mind goes, these are just random thoughts. So I I apologize if this is just like stream of (laughs) consciousness, thinking, but I always think about, you know, how technology has enabled us for better or worse to quickly exchange money, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to go pick up lunch and everybody can send me their part of the meal. But what if you were just generous and like, Hey, everybody, I'm going to go pick up lunch today. And nobody has to worry about paying for it. Like, because you're in a position where you can be generous in that way. That's always a boost for people. Like as weird as it is, free meals are a boost for people. Something that simple People love food and honestly, they love free food. So that's something easy that you can, you know, you can do. And when there's margin in your life, you can be generous about grabbing lunch for everybody. Or, you know, if you're going to some event with a ticket charge or a cover charge and you just paid for everybody. And we have the ability to have more margin when we are realize there is enough. Like when we're not taking the approach to tie it back in. Mm When we aren't going, oh, I'm just going to build a bigger barn. Yes. Like this, when we, you know, when we're living on our budget and living within our means, everything above that, as you get raises, as you grow, like, it's like, you can go, oh, I don't need to keep building a bigger barn. I have enough already right here. Mm -hmm. 
and then we yeah. have that ability. So, um, yeah, I just, I, the idea of margin and community, um, and generous with your time, you did that yesterday. I messaged you and I was like, do you have any time? Like I need help moving a piece of furniture. And you're like, yep. Like you, you do that. And I am grateful for that. And we could do that. Like these ideas aren't even like, what if the church, it's like, no, when, when will the church, mm -hmm. when can, and we can do this. And we're trying to do that in the holy district. And so, yeah, that's really good. So John, it has been really good to talk with you. You have a lot of really good thoughts in there and thanks for taking the time reading, sharing um, your perspective. And um, honestly, thanks for becoming a good friend over the last year. I have loved becoming your friend and getting to know you. And the more I talk to you, the more I just find like, I really enjoy it. And, you know, um, Brooke and I, we love you and Matea and we're just so grateful that you're in our lives. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I, uh, honestly, I was having a hard time this week, you know, prepping for this, but I think that's almost speaks to what we talked about a little bit is finding the margin to sit back and, and think through just a simple parable. And, you know, I, once I got the momentum going and started to prepare for this, I really enjoy this. Like I enjoy being able to have these conversations, you know, we've gone out to lunch a few times and I just appreciate the opportunities like this. Um, whether it's us, you know, going out with uh, Brooke and Matea or whatever, or just you and I going to lunch, I appreciate the conversations. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. being able to come on here and um, hopefully something I said was valuable to somebody. Hopefully it I didn't was really upset valuable. too many people. It was really hopefully. valuable. Okay. You did great. So John, thank you. Thank you. Um, have a good week. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, this has been another episode of the Holy District podcast. Um, as we are a community of people in Allentown, Pennsylvania and Gilbert, Arizona, rediscovering sacred and integrating uh, Jesus into our communities where um, we live, work and play. If you want to partner with us, you can go to our website to find out more information, holydistrict.org. You can schedule a spiritual direction session there or um, partner with us through prayer and uh, by giving as we seek financial sustainability. Um, and have a great week.